All right, welcome back to the Drill Down Podcast. We're joined right now by Friar Battery CEO Tom Jensen. Tom, uh, glad to have you. You're in Oslo, Norway. I think you are our first guest from Oslo so far. Well, in the last couple well, of years. and you know, this is the first time for everything. So, uh, so thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, and I look forward to the conversation. Well, um, and, and indeed, this is uh, also probably the first pure play battery company that we've talked to on in the. 200 plus episodes we've done of this show because there aren't a lot of pure play battery companies uh, that are traded anymore. No, that's true. Uh, I mean, uh, we, we fundamentally believe of course that we're in the decade of the battery or I would say the decades of the battery in the coming couple of decades, uh, batteries are fundamentally required for the increasingly urgent energy transition that is in front of us. Uh, essentially uh, batteries produced in the most sustainable way uh, is obviously needed for decarbonizing transportation but they're actually equally important to decarbonize energy systems globally. Because if you think about it, um, we need to store a lot of sunlight and a lot of wind when the sun isn't shining and the wind isn't blowing. And the best way to do that today is large-scale lithium-ion battery systems. And that's really where we come into the picture. So we're glad to be, you know, one of the few Western Hemisphere-based companies that are listed on a major exchange. And we are New York Stock Exchange listed. So... uh, so we're very happy uh, about being in the world's most sophisticated capital markets because that is very important because this is capital intensive stuff. And uh, and therefore, being exposed to the largest capital market in the world is uh, is obviously something that is important to, to ensure that you can uh, raise capital in a timely manner over time. Indeed. And, and uh, that capital market has given your company a, a, a market valuation of about a billion dollars with zero revenues, which is hard to do. Um, uh, you, so you haven't, you, you have zero revenues. Explain where you are on the, on the sort of path towards making product and selling product. Sure. For more so, than it costs. so we're a company that was founded in 2018. So we're reasonably young uh, and we were founded based on, uh, the inspiration from Nordvolt, the Swedish, uh, battery initiative, uh, just across the border. And as good Norwegians, we tend to say that if the Swedes can do it, we can do it a little bit better. <laughs> so, but, but in, in a more serious note, we, we are all industry people from well, these Vikings uh, still fighting and, each other. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Right. I mean, but you know, we're very friendly. I'm very impressed by Nordvolt, by the way. Don't, so d- don't get so started on the, on the yeah. fins now. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I'll get to that in a moment, but, but anyway, we, we sort of, Norway has a long tradition. Uh, so, so the industry people behind Freyr come from the oil and gas and aluminium industry. So we were sort of asking ourselves some tough industrialization questions. Can we actually compete with the Chinese? And what do we have as kind of intrinsic advantages that you know, allow us to, to think that we can? Uh, and there are a couple of things worth mentioning about Norway in this regard. So first, we have surplus renewable energy at very low cost. And this is energy intensive industry. So that's a good starting point. Second, Norway has been producing energy and energy intensive and process intensive products for more than a century. So we have that industrial DNA uh, in our core, so to speak, which really is about high uptime, high yield, safe operations, you know, high speed manufacturing, those kinds of things are part of what we do. And then, as you might know, Norway is a large oil and gas producing nation. So we've built more than 100 uh, oil and gas platforms out in the North Sea. Uh, so we have deep multi-billion dollar project execution experience as well. All of this is relevant for the battery industry. Now, that is not enough in our opinion, because to really replicate the Chinese business model, if you like, in the battery space and have 3000 people in a large gigafactory, it's just very hard uh, to do. So we, we did a fairly extensive technology selection search where we ended on a US-based technology, a company called 20 Frame Technologies, which is an MIT spin-off founded by material science professor Yetming Chang, 
Uh, and what really 24M is all about is a fundamental redesign of the battery itself. Simply put, there are larger and thicker batteries, which, you know, fits more with the larger applications that batteries are going into today. And by that redesign of the battery, there is also a fundamental optimization of the production process. So it's smaller, it's more energy efficient, you can produce more batteries per employee, you can automate it further, you can digitize it further, you can leverage AI to improve production processes, etc. So what we are doing is we're taking that system to gigawatt hour scale. And we have built our first uh, facility. We started the operation of that facility at the end of March this year, 18 months after we went public on the New York Stock Exchange. So the company is based on three pillars. It's speed, scale, and sustainability. Uh, and everything we do is kind of anchored around these three things. Yeah. Uh, now, the first facility that we have erected, it's a 13,000 square meter building where we have an actual industrial scale production line of this technology now built. Uh, is going to demonstrate how we can produce these batteries at high speed and high yields. Then we're going to use that customer qualification plant, as we call it, as exactly that. We're going to qualify our products for our customers, and we have a broad range of them. Uh, and once we have, we're then building what we label Giga Arctic, which is a 30 gigawatt hour facility in northern Norway on the Arctic Circle. And then we're building now also Giga America, which we're doing in Kawita County, which is 30 minutes south of Atlanta in Georgia. Uh, and we've accelerated that in part because of the Inflation Reduction Act, and that will be a 38 gigawatt hour nameplate capacity facility. So we're building gigafactories on both sides of the Atlantic based on U.S. technology. Demand for the products is going through the roof, uh, and it's really yeah. just getting into that mode of production, and then revenues will start flowing. So um, thank you for that. I wonder, let's if we can go back to the technology a little bit, how is this battery technology different than what we see in the market today? So the fundamental change is that it's looking more and more like, let's call it a dry coating technology. So in conventional lithium ion batteries, you mix anode and cathode metal powders with solvents and binders. So you create this paint like slurry, which you coat onto current collectors, aluminum and copper foil, and then you cut them and slit them and calendar them, etc. And then you, you have a separator in between. And then you put it either into cylindrical, prismatic, or pouch-based formats, and then you fill electrolyte in at the end, so that you have this conductive agent between the anode right, and the cathode. Right. That's the sort of economist way of explaining how conventional batteries produce. Oh, oh, I, I think of it like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Correct. Right, where that's you've got the, and it's, they've got the stuff in the middle that's making it work. Exactly. So that's the, the that's the popular version of it. So. What 24M did and Yetming Chang did was he said, listen, it's got to be a better way to produce batteries than what was originally designed for camcorders and PCs and iPhones, etc. Right. Well, the first, now batteries, the first Teslas were just computer batteries correct. essentially glued together. 7,000 of them, right, yes. in the bottom of a Tesla. So you, there's got to be a better way to produce. Nice. Yeah, exactly. So, so thicker electrodes, larger electrodes, that's really the, 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 the nature of it. But when you produce conventional lithium-ion batteries, it's a 17 semi-automated uh, long manufacturing process. And since you're mixing these metal powders with liquid binders and solvents, you need to extract those liquids so that you have dry electrodes before you put electrolyte on them. And to do that, you need to heat it up to a certain you know, high heaven degree, and you need very large space to do that in a you know, timely manner. Uh, so the essence of the innovation is really to use the liquid electrolyte as the binding agent. And this creates this clay-like structure as opposed to paint. 
and therefore they're pressing it onto the current collectors, more like casting, but it's dry coating in, in a way electrodes. And that allows you to reduce space by up to 80%. It allows you to cut capital expenditures at gigawatt hour scale by more than 50%. It allows you to cut energy costs quite significantly because you're not heating up the electrodes to extract the solvents, etc. It's much smaller, so it allows you to automate further, use data-driven decision-making as opposed to human decision-making. And it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, have allowed for progress to be made and this is kind of what we we see all, all over as battery industry is coming much more to the western hemisphere you'll have more brain power more capital more sort of push for innovation and we're using the same uh raw materials as conventional we're just doing it in a smarter manner if you if you can put it that way yeah it's, it's absolutely fascinating now um you guys have a number of of, of take contracts already right correct um, so how, we have well please go ahead now, so we've signed 130 plus gigawatt hours worth of uh, contracts, uh, some binding, some are conditional. Uh, now that we're moving from being a PowerPoint company to actually a real company with real assets, uh, this is starting to sort of come into quite interesting sort of conversion uh, situations where where these offtake contracts actually become commercially viable and, and, and mean something from a financing point of view, etc., so we're now coming into sort of the real meat and bones, if you like, of the company's development, where we produce batteries and we produce increased amounts of them and we test them and we improve them and we do it over and over and over again. And then we get into giga factory uh, production and so on, both sides of the Atlantic. So uh, we were participating as one example at this intersolar mess in Munich uh, these last couple of days, 85,000 people attending the largest sort of renewable energy technology fair, so to speak, uh, in Europe. And the interest is just, you know, through the roof. Uh, the demand for batteries, uh, you know, way outstrip most people's imaginations. Uh, and it's very good to be in this position because now we're sort of getting into to, to live production and, and then, you know, people are uh, seeing us yeah. as a real contender uh, and a real provider in the Western Hemisphere, which is really needed. So how many of your, your offtake contracts do you think are going to uh materialize and what are you kind of planning for? If, if two or three of them don't, that, that, you know, aren't binding, don't materialize, what kind of problem might that leave you with? No, so I mean, the, the largest one we have with Nidec Corporation, uh, the world's largest producer of electric motors, by the way, and also one of the large players in the energy storage space, uh, they've already signed a firm offtake agreement with us for 38 gigawatt hours. So, I mean, we have very good traction with this. This is not, a, it's not really... Uh, the main reason why we want to have offtake contracts, Corey, is because it's required from a project finance point of view. So sure. the, the, typically the project finance guys, they want visibility to cash flow and they want it backed by, you know, a credit worthy counterparty, etc. Ideally, we wouldn't want to enter into too many long term offtake contracts because the you demand outstrips supply. To. Sure. Exactly. So I mean, I mean as long as you have. But I, I guess I, I just, I'm just yeah. sort of taking the other side of it saying, what if some of these ones that aren't firm? don't materialize and my, I'm trying to gauge how much trouble you think you might be in if that is trouble might be the wrong word but but well, if some of these things don't materialize how listen, is it Corey, most of it? most of these I mean we could have tripled or quadrupled the amount of contracts we have without question uh, all of the companies that you know we have signed up with need more batteries than what they originally signed up for so as we start documenting and, and proving that we actually can produce batteries at the specs that you know we have indicated 
uh, this will go only one way. So it's not really a question about the customer side. It's more a question of scaling the technology in the appropriate tempo uh, from, from our vantage point. And you guys also announced another um, uh, a deal, a, a, a coalition with Glencore, Caterpillar, um, Nidec, and Siemens. Um, uh, but it, it's it's a it's a, what you announced to us. You know the the fine print said it was a a potential strategic uh, uh, coalition, and I didn't know what to make of that. Uh, is it is if it, oh, if it's well, potential, is it also mean it might not happen? No, so it's already happening. I mean, we uh, we are having active meetings with them right now. Uh, there is actually a lot of additional companies, all you know, large uh, industrial companies globally that want to participate in this energy transition acceleration coalition, as we call it. The reason why you know we're using these phrases is because we are a public listed company and we're sort of in the early stages of the formation of it. But right now we're moving into the execution phase of the coalition, where we're actually being very concrete on bilateral and multilateral business opportunities. So one of the things that we're now looking into is actively is how to decarbonize mining. Uh, how do you do that? And if you think about it, to decarbonize mining, you need mining equipment that is electrified, which of course Caterpillar provides. Glencore, which is a big miner, they need electrified mining equipment. Um, and the mining sites need to be electrified. So therefore you need energy storage systems on these mining sites, which NIDEC can provide, and we provide the battery cells into that. And that's just one example. This is very live and concrete right now. We're also talking to you know large OEMs, large shipping companies, other sort of relevant players along the value chain. So we're going to complement this with additional parties, but this is not going to be sort of a climate debate club, Corey. It's going to be sort of very action-oriented. We're going to talk about how do we sort of implement rapidly decarbonizing solutions for specific problems? How do we accelerate deployment of clean battery solutions globally? How do we increase the knowledge space around it? How do we improve how batteries are produced? How do we leverage AI into the production systems, etc.? All of those things will be topics that you know we'll cover with the different parties in the coalition. And as you saw, we announced another agreement with Siemens based on their fancy word industrial metaverse platform that they have developed together with Nvidia and Amazon Web Services. And this is all about leveraging digital knowledge and data-driven decision-making, hopefully enhanced by AI systems uh, to really reach the next frontier in battery production. And with a smaller, more efficient, uh, faster production system, which the 20 frame technology allows us to do, you can expect and should expect dramatic improvements to come from how we produce these batteries over time. Fascinating. Well, I wish you a lot of luck. Lord knows we need this. Uh, and and uh, Tom Jensen, I hope your uh, company achieves all these great goals. Uh, it's a long way to go, and it looks like you're moving fast in that direction. For our battery CEO, Tom Jensen, thank you very much. Thank you. Coming up next in the Drill Down the Bite, the one number that tells us a whole lot more about Fryer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.